I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of baking. And I'm Miles, and I'll do my best with the aid of one of my favorite reality TV shows. This is the Next Wrestling Fan UK. <laughs> A bonus episode made possible by our recent review drive. At the request of winning reviewer Cat the Pope, we are talking about the first episode in the seventh season Collection 4 on Netflix, for all you people who watch this on Netflix, of The Great British Bake Off. In this episode, Bob meets a bunch of British people for the first time because somehow I discovered this show before she did. Welcome to the next wrestling fan, a podcast of bakes and feels, <laughs> cakes and feels. Apparently, cakes this time. and feels. Oh, that's good. I like that. Yeah, that's why we're doing Cake Week from the Great British Bake Off. Anyway, so uh, here we go. This was the request of Cat the Pope, who won the drawing from our review drive, and Cat uh, the Pope wanted us to review this specific episode of the Great British Bake Off, which, as it happens, I have already seen and it had seen recently because Sharon and I only recently got into this show and binged the fuck out of it. In a way oh, wow. that we that we rarely been shows. Megan Bob, had you really never encountered this before? I knew about it, and I knew that many people loved it, and it had been recommended to me by people, and my mother watches it and really enjoys it. But no, I had never seen it before. I actually, the closest I came to interacting with it was that two years ago, I purchased a Great British Bake Off calendar for myself. Okay. Because it had recipes on it and I had dreams. Yes. I had real dreams that my mother and I were going to get together each month and bake the thing together. And then uh, both of us went, oh man, these look real fucking hard. (laughs) (laughs) So we didn't do it. (laughs) I love you, mom. We'll do it. We'll bake something together soon. Something that's not a Genoese. Yeah, that's right. Sharon and I often come away from viewings of this show with, like, ideas that we're going to bake. And, like, it'd be fun if we did someday, especially now that we have Rowan, we can, like, try to teach him how to do it. And Sharon can teach me how to do it because I have no idea. This is all, like, fucking some kind of sorcery that I do not understand. I just want to throw that out there right now. I know nothing about baking. I have never baked. I don't know how to bake. I just like this show a lot. Wow. See, I like baking quite a bit, and I know some things about it. Okay. All right, so we're coming out of kind of opposite perspectives there. Yeah. What's your relationship with reality TV, Bob? Because I feel like we're kind of inadvertently doing this thing where we just cover genres of entertainment that sort of a high society would look down on. <laughs> yes, I do think we've fallen into that niche now. So there was a period of time whenever I lived uh, at home, whenever my family watched a fair amount of The Real Housewives of New York. And that was compelling, but also deeply soul-destroying because it's predicated on, you know, drama, and that's not necessarily fun. Although it is very addictive to watch because you do want to see how it's resolved. They are masters of pacing, Mm -hmm. which makes it very hard to turn off. Yeah. Um, And then we got really into So You Think You Can Dance, Uh which... I loved because one, 
dancing is not an art form that America cares very much about. So you don't get to see a lot of it. And it's really cool to see dancing done well. And then the other thing was that the vast majority of the contestants were sort of fresh faced babies who just deeply love dancing and never wanted anybody to go home and were always really attached to one another. It was like watching a bunch of puppies. I watched a little bit of Dancing with the Stars when that first came on, but I think that's the only dancing reality show I ever got into. I have a thing where I don't I generally avoid reality TV because the intellectual thinking part of my brain rejects it as a concept. Mm, Um, I can understand that. Like, I just like, no, that sounds worthless. It's like the idea of going to see God. I don't know, like a fucking Rob Schneider movie. It's like, no, I'm not doing it. (laughs) Um, But the thing is, is that if you get me sitting down for one episode, we're probably watching the whole season and then we're probably watching all the rest of it. (laughs) Oh, I should say I did watch Chopped. Oh, okay. So I, because I, I, as you said that, I was going, oh, yes, that has happened to me. And it happened with Chop. Yeah. So, all right. So you, you binge whenever you get into it. With reality TV, I have a tendency to, because this is like, you're right. It's well-paced. It's designed for that. And it's yeah. really hard to, to avoid it. Now, a lot of the time, the um, hostility mm-hmm. that's fostered intentionally between people on these shows is a real turnoff to me and will force me to turn something off before the season or the show is over. I used to say that my favorite reality TV show was, what was it, the Joe Schmo show? Do you remember this? No, I thought you were going to say Face Off. So, okay, we're getting to Face Off. <laughs> <laughs> the Joe Schmo show, I think, is what it was called, and it was a fake reality television show. Okay. Where Joe in question was the only guy there who didn't know he was on a fake reality television show. He thought he was on a real reality television show and everybody else was an actor. Okay, but it was fake. All right. Okay, I can live with this. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of like my high, high watermark for reality TV. I watched some like runway, you know, stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. Then Sharon and I started watching Face Off. And Face Off is like, Face Off is amazing. Face Off is one of my favorite just things that exists. Oh, wow. Like, it's just so much fun to watch these people actually make like sci-fi fantasy costume designs and like makeups. And it's just really fucking cool. And the thing about Face Off that really got me is that everybody was really nice to each other, like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And Great British Bake Off is similar. I heard a lot by people who were telling me that I should watch it about how like, It was similar to Face Off in that it was very kind of sweet and everybody was super nice to each other. And that's mostly true. The problem with baking is that there's no real way to help other people. You can give them like moral support, but you can't actually. (laughs) It's hard to. There are certain circumstances, but for the most part, it's hard to actually like help them complete the project. Whereas with Face Off, you'll see like eight people trying to get the fucking thing out of the mold, you know, so so the person can do it in time. And it's like this really sweet community feeling. I never really got that from the baking show, but um, yeah, reality shows where they're about making something and where it's a kind of a friendly competition where everybody's all sad and people leave and people are helping each other like that is absolutely my trash. Mm. I think I have similar feelings in that when it's presented to me, it's very hard for me not to engage with it. But my threshold for anxiety is so low. 
and all competitions have it Mm -hmm. that even though I really enjoy watching people make something together or separately, but support one another, which is absolutely the best case for any reality TV show. Yes. That I still find it a little bit too anxiety producing (laughs) to always enjoy it. We'll get into that a little bit um, at the end of the breakdown. Okay. Well, speaking of the breakdown, why don't you get into it? Because Bob is doing a breakdown for this one and uh, it's about that time. So the show opens in the beautiful grounds of an estate that was presumably once owned by the aristocracy. Mm. Uh, Needless to say, it's sprawling and picturesque in ways that made me want to ride a horse across it while wearing a poofy dress, shouting, I shall never marry Lord Ass Trumpet Father, never! (laughs) And then make out with the groundskeeper or something. (laughs) I really feel like the setting of Great British Bake Off could be like the subject of an academic paper. Oh, Definitely. I don't want to get too deep into the weeds about my thoughts on it because I my background for literature is eco-criticism and the way that nature is sort of embodied in media. And so I think there's a lot for me to say about it, but it's very not interesting to anybody else. I was just going to say, like, one of the things that I was thinking about when I was thinking about that is, like, how the weather affects things. Not not only what it's like, you know, how, how it changes the competition to have to do the work under these kind of strange conditions, but also, and maybe this is more what you were thinking about, how, like, the natural setting is used to manipulate the viewer over the course of the episode. Mm, Yes, I did notice that even in this episode. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. Anyway, continue. (laughs) We also meet the two hosts of the show, Mel and Sue. Mm -hmm. I know Sue Perkins from QI and the News Quiz, which is a great radio comedy show uh, about the news. Okay. So it's always a delight for me to see her. But for anyone who doesn't have an immediate picture in their head of Mel and Sue, they are your beautiful lesbian aunts that raise goats together (laughs) and also run a clothing consignment store where they help homeless folks to get interview clothes so they can apply for jobs. Uh, Also, they probably have a whole wall in the store dedicated to funky suit jackets with donuts or flamingos on them. And they care about you and want you to be happy. And also they like silly jokes and puns. Like, it's like catnip to them. So you can always text them a dumb pun and they will instantly respond with the emoji of the person laughing so hard they're crying. That's who they are. Yeah. Also hornier than you might expect. Uh, yeah, I definitely, I, I know that about Sue to some extent. I don't know enough about Mel to say that, but I would not be surprised. I mean, having watched their entire run on the show, I mean, there are so many, because I'm pretty sure this episode opens with Sue making a vibrator joke. <laughs> Oh, I must not have been paying enough attention. Oh, bummer. Now we establish the rules of the show. Three challenges. One of the amateur bakers will be named the star baker. One of the bakers will go home at the end of it. There is no prize for this other than recognition and getting to hang out in a posh tent. That's right. All right. Challenge one. Well, so it's cake week, apparently. And the first cake is a drizzle cake. It is a cake that must be moist and have drizzle throughout it because moistness. <laughs> moist. Moist. Yeah. I mm. also caught myself saying drizzle a lot. Just, <laughs> just going drizzle. <laughs> so the traditional drizzle cake is a lemon drizzle cake. I think we've all heard of such a cake. Indeed. And I'm expecting the bakers to go different routes than citrus. But no, I mean, it's a lot of citrus. We're not going to lie. In order for any of this to make sense, I got to introduce our lineup of bakers. 
there's 12 of them. There are enough for a jury trial. Are you <laughs> fucking kidding me? Some seasons there are 13. That's a baker's dozen. Yeah, is that the joke that, that they make? That Do is, they say that? That is the joke. You have nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can write for the show. All right. Uh, I had to go off of what they put on Wikipedia about these guys because I couldn't catch it all in any meaningful way from just the talking heads other than, you know, bits and pieces. So Andrew, aerospace engineer from Northern Ireland, Benjamina, teaching assistant from London, Candice, PE teacher from Bedfordshire. What's up, Bedfordshire? I've got family there, so (laughs) hey, Bedfordshire. All right. Jane, garden designer from Beckenham, Kate. Nurse from Norfolk, Lee, pastor from Bolton, Louise, hairdresser from Cardiff, Michael, student at Durham, not from Durham, but yeah, I don't remember where he's that from. That listed as his hometown, but yes. I know, but they're wrong. Rav works in student support from Aerith. That's not a place. I'm saying all these place names <laughs> with a very strong American accent. I do so apologize because I know hearing place names said with the wrong accent is deeply jarring. You might be able to get this next one, though. I believe in you. Okay, Selassie, Client Services Associate in Finances from London. Tom, Project Engagement Manager from Rochdale. Man, so many of these jobs, I'm like, I don't know what you do. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Val, semi-retired substitute teacher from Yeovil. Yeovil? Yeovil. Yeovil? 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 I don't know. Uh, Yeah, boy. Okay, so I honestly think that this might be more people than I was introduced to in my first episode of NXT. Because there's also two judges... Two judges, yeah, and then then Sue and Mel, so. Yeah. Yeah. Paul Hollywood. Okay, guys, imagine what if Guy Fieri had been raised on nothing but French cookbooks and then attended Eaton. (laughs) If Paul Hollywood heard me say that, he'd murder me. But you know what? I don't care. So less positive than Guy Fieri has fairly exquisite manners, but still cheeky. So that's Paul Hollywood. Do you have any feelings about him? Um, yes. <laughs> um, uh, he's good looking and he knows it to some extent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Both those things um, are true. I think less good looking than he thinks he is, <laughs> which is only because he thinks he is so very good looking, not right. because he's not good looking. Right. It's because his it, opinion is so high. Yes. Yeah. Um, is kind of tasked with being the asshole and I don't like that, but I get that he's doing a job. Mm hmm. And so I don't care for it, but I'm willing to tolerate it. So that's my stance on Paul Hollywood. He does have very blue eyes. Congratulations, you have blue eyes. <laughs> Extremely blue eyes, yes. He's very aware of it, too. He's got some real, like, I'm a real fucking Paul Newman. I'm like, mm, Oh, yeah. You're a real fucking Paul Hollywood. I'll give you that. <laughs> that's actually his real name. I couldn't believe it when I found out. Oh, I believe that. I 1,000% believe that that is his real name. Not because it's such a crazy name. It's just a very British name. Yeah. So then there's Mary Berry, which is, if possible, a more British name. It sounds fake. That one is sounds fake as fuck. Yeah, I thought that was more believable than Paul Hollywood. <laughs> and she sounds like she's the owner of some sort of hotel in maybe an Agatha Christie novel. <laughs> But Mary Berry is your grandmother who loves you, but is still often disappointed in you. (laughs) Although she is, you know, supportive of you trying your best, she has forgotten more about baking than you will ever know in the entirety of your life. 
I can see her like filling the role in that like horror movie of the you know the lady at the front desk who's like, "Here's your key, dear. Mind the spiders." that's who mary berry is i love it she's the creepy innkeeper lady you know what i could see it this is what she does on her weekends like she has to go back to her job and be creepy but now she's actually free to do some like fun soft things oh yeah (laughs) whenever she's not too busy running that murder house (laughs) so I didn't realize this about the show, and fuck this about the show, Ah. but the judges come around and look in on you while you're working on your stuff, so you know, zero pressure. Yeah, right. All right, Lee the pastor is starting off and his butter has seized up and separated out from his batter, so Mm. that's not great. Mm -mm. This bodes ill for the lemon drizzle cake. (laughs) Pretty much everyone is making a citrusy drizzle cake, but I'll let you know if anyone goes in a bold and different direction. There are a couple. Selassie establishes himself very early on as a chill dude who doesn't get flustered by much. Like, he doesn't even talk or move fast. It's beautiful to watch. I fucking, yeah, I love Selassie so much. I know he's not a heart surgeon or anything, but he is so steady that I would probably trust him to perform (laughs) a surgery. He inspires a level of confidence that I'm like, you know, because he works in finance, and I'm like, I would give him my money, whether or not I should, because I'm like, you seem chill about things. You probably have a good head on your shoulders. Here's my only rebuttal to that. Okay. If I'm having somebody perform heart surgery on me, and they're like, here's my qualifications, they hand me this episode, and I'm like, huh, so not once, but twice, you straight up forgot an ingredient, and you're like, eh, it'll be fine. Let's put it in this other thing. Meh. You make a a good case for not letting him perform surgery. (laughs) All right. I rescind my offer. Oh, shit. This is valve not attached. Eh, you know. Whatever. Were they using that ventricle? <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. It's okay. We'll put another one in the in the glaze. <laughs> Wait, what? It's <laughs> like, so, oh, I'm sorry. That's my main qualification. <laughs> it's a lot of glaze-based surgery. <laughs> oh, you need someone to fix your person's heart. Oh, I only glaze hearts, actually. I'm a heart glazer. <laughs> mm, delicious. <laughs> so Kate is making apple and blackberry drizzle cake. Miles, I'm already so hungry. I want to eat everything. (laughs) I'm so fucking hungry now. (laughs) Candace is making a gluten-free rhubarb and lime drizzle cake with custard in it. Oh, God. As a person that bakes without grains because I'm keto and I'm not going to talk any more about it than that because it's fucking boring. All right. But I have grave concerns about how the hell you're going to bake anything that people will recognize as cake without flour in it. So Benjamina is doing pistachio, cardamom, and lemon drizzle cake. It's pretty sexy. It's got yep. a lot of pistachios in it. I like pistachios, it. Pistachios, as everyone knows, the sexiest nut. It's got that nice green flavor. It does. Mm, green. So everyone is popping stuff into the oven at this point, and somehow no one has been using recipes that I have seen. Nor have they been referring to any specified baking times or whatever. I don't understand these people. I am not necessarily a recipe follower. But I am somebody who refers to recipes. Well, so for this one, and I believe for the the last one, they're allowed to practice at home. Oh, all right. So I, mm. yeah. So they so they spent like all week trying to do. I mean, you know, some of them probably practiced more than others, but like in theory, they had an entire week to like, or however long they they got, probably a week, because I every challenge is like a week to try this stuff out. So either they have memorized the recipe or they're just not showing it because it's not interesting because they already know it really well, I guess. Okay. That makes it even weirder that so many of them went for a citrus drizzle cake. Oh, the fact that they got the plan out for in advance? 
Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, whatever, guys. Try not to rock so, the boat. You know, you all you all you want to do in the first week is not be the guy eliminated. Oh, okay. You're man. You're really teaching me a lot about this show. <laughs> I so, don't mean to. <laughs> disaster. Jane has left out her almond flour, which almond flour helps keep stuff moist. Because I don't know. Because it does. <laughs> Jane is really sweet and has sort of wistful eyes, and I want to hug her. Yeah. Miles, I want to hug her so much. I love Jane. Jane's great. She reminds me a little bit of my mom, because she does gardening stuff as well. Yeah, she's garden. She's the garden designer, right? Yeah, which is yeah. what a cool job. Right? She's decided to start her lemon and poppy seed drizzle cake over, and there's only an hour left, which is long enough to bake a cake, but not a lot. Mm-hmm. Selassie, as Miles said, left out the cinnamon of his cake and is considering remaking his cake, but decides, ah, I'll just nah, put it in the drizzle. It'll be fine. Can you pull it off? Oh, Selassie, you risk taker. <laughs> Tom is making a G&T drizzle cake. I'm curious, but baking with alcohol is such a risk. Really, cooking with alcohol in general is a real calculated risk. Miles, have you ever cooked with alcohol and had it go wrong? No, I didn't know. I've never. Okay. I mean, No. <laughs> no i'm i am not much of a like i can cook but i'm not you said that like you know how to make grilled cheese sandwiches no no no. i actually do like i'm okay at it i am best by far when following somebody else's recipe for sure and uh i haven't even had alcohol uh like recreationally for the past year very much Mm, so um okay so not something i'm really I've, I've ever used in cooking because i'm not that fancy is what i'm trying to say yeah <laughs> okay i have put it into ice creams before to help ice cream stay softer and boy there is a finite amount that you can get into it before it just tastes like alcohol yeah it really seems like just having watched like all of the show it really seems like Every time somebody puts booze in their bake, I'm always like, oh, God, why are you doing that? You know, because it never seems to go yeah. well. Sometimes it does. Like, th- there is a couple of instances that I can remember it actually going well. But usually it's just a bad sign and nobody should do it ever. It's very high risk. And he fucking does it again later. I know. Oh, Tom. Tom, you Icarus. <laughs> Okay, so the cakes are starting to come out of the oven now. Val listens to hers to see if they're done. That is fucking adorable, and I love it so much. So Val is like your very whimsical and a little bit dotty grandma. Mm -hmm. She has probably knitted you a toilet roll cover that looks like a ballerina. (laughs) I believe in the talking heads part or the introduction to each of the bakers part, we found out that... One of the defining things about Val is that she's an Ed Sheeran fan, which I noticed that too. Very sweet. So in case you are starting to relax, we are reminded that overdone or underdone drizzle cakes will not absorb the drizzle properly and will result in a messed up cake. So Louise's cake is supposed to be in the shape of an orange. It's a bit fucked up. So it's (laughs) orangish in shape, which is visually unfortunate. And also her icing is too thin, so it's not coating the cake properly. Oh, Louise, I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's rough. So now to present the cakes, and I'm just going to go with lowlights and highlights. Not everybody's going to be represented in this. Benjamina, Selassie, and Jane are praised for texture, which is a big deal, apparently. A lot of talk about texture in these cakes. Yeah. And flavor. And then Lee has terrible texture because of the separation. Michael's is too much like a ginger cake, whatever the fuck that means. Kate's doesn't have enough blackberry flavor. 
Tom's G&T cake is ruined by too much gin. Ah, Tom, you fool. Those wings, they're in flames. Uh, Candace's isn't cakey enough. That's not what Paul Hollywood says. He said it's like a steam pudding. He says pudding, it's not so. a cake. He says it's a steam pudding, yeah. Yeah, which I don't I don't think I've ever had one, so I don't really know what that means, but there you go. Rav's cake has yuzu, and apparently Paul thinks that's a little too weird and says, quote, watch your flavors. Again, whatever the fuck that means. Can I say real th- quick about the steam pudding thing? One of the yes. really interesting things about this show, watching it as an American, especially as an American who hasn't spent any time in uh, Britain, um, mm-hmm. the terms they use to refer to certain things are not the terms I would have used to refer to those things. Yes, agree. And it's very strange being like, okay, that's a that's a pudding. I'm like, yeah, no, it's that's clearly not a pudding, but but it is because it's England. Yeah. <laughs> The baking culture is very specific. Yeah, I would say. And if, so, just if you're looking to to get into this show and you're you're not already familiar with this terminology, just be advised that like you're going to spend a lot of time being like, "Oh, that's a pastry." Interesting. Yeah, and the use of sponge a lot, which I'm fairly familiar with, because I mean, I lived in Ireland, and I while Ireland and the UK are very different in some ways. Their terminology about food is not especially different. Sure. Challenge two. Technical challenge. I didn't know there was a technical challenge. That surprised me. Yeah. They have to make Jaffa cakes. All right. So this is the one where they don't know. They didn't get it in advance. They just have to follow the recipe off on the Ah. fly. Okay. So I've had Jaffa cakes. Have you had Jaffa cakes? I have not. All right. So I don't care for Jaffa cakes, but people feel very strongly about them. (laughs) Quick story. I said to my Irish partner, who is familiar with them, Jaffa cakes are shit. And he <laughs> gave me such a look and said, quote, you're the worst. <laughs> so that should tell you how strongly people feel about these fucking cakes. Well, wow, you lost in his affections to Jaffa cakes. Interesting. Well, I mean, I guess he has a lot of strong memories about how great Jaffa Cakes are. I will say that the Jaffa Cakes have never lied about whether or not they were going to empty the dishwasher. <laughs> uh, I will say that I do I do really like um, chocolate and orange like as a flavor, Ugh, com- as a flavor mm, combination. I'm a big fan of my that, thing. so I would probably like it. All right. I don't know. I've never been a chocolate and orange person. Oh man, um, the, you know the chocolate oranges that are cut into orange slices and they I taste- I hate those. Those are like my favorite things ever, Bob. That's crazy. Okay. All right. So from what I can tell, they get the loosest instructions imaginable for this Jaffa cake. Like imagine just being told, make a cake, make a filling, yeah. ice them with chocolate. Like that's not even a set of instructions. That's just a list of tasks. They switch it up a lot of the time, too, where it's like sometimes they'll tell them how long to bake it, but not the right temperature. Or sometimes they'll tell them the right temperature, but not how long. You know, they'll like they'll change it up depending on the challenge. For this one, I don't think it tells them what the temperature is or how long to bake it. So they're guessing at both. Yeah, if it, if it did, they didn't, it didn't mention it. We now get a bit of Mary and Paul talking about why Jaffa cakes were chosen for this. And it's because the sponge has to be light and fluffy, which is hard. And then there has to be an orange jelly bit and then chocolate on top. So it's a whole thing. One of my favorite things about the technical challenge is that it's always preceded by a version of the thing that they're trying to make that either Paul or Mary has made. 
and and then so one of them makes the thing like the perfect example of it right and the other one like takes a bite is always like oh god it's just so good you can really taste it's so amazing and the other one's like yeah well let's hope they can do one this good you know like that kind of thing okay because i looked at those example jaffa cakes and was like i have never in my life fucking seen a jaffa cake that looked that good i'm like that thing should be squashed and shitty looking yeah like fucking and who knows how long it took you to make that we don't get to yeah. see your process, although there is actually a, a great Brit- British baking show, uh, Masterclass, which does involve Ooh. them cooking, Paul and Mary, and it's it's really interesting. So Paul then dips his Jaffa cake into his tea, and Mary gives him a slightly pinched look and says, we don't do that in the South, you know. So, you know, just in case you forgot that England has a class divide between North and South. Yeah. Mima, join the proletariat. Don't your Jaffa cakes. <laughs> I don't think Mary Berry is on her way to join the proletariat anytime soon. But. <laughs> I, I highly doubt it, yes. So now it's a fuckload of people whipping eggs and folding in flour. And then now everyone is guessing how long to cook them for. And a lot of people have just chosen to sit in front of their ovens and watch, which is probably a good call. Andrew's Jaffa cakes are a bit on the large muffiny size. A Jaffa cake muffin or Juffin, as Sue puts it, which is just fun to say. It's delightful. Oh, Juffin. Juffin. Vowels have stuck to the tin a little bit. I don't think that'll matter, though. I mean, how perfect do they even have to be, right? Right, Miles? <laughs> so somehow everyone has forgotten which way up a Jaffa cake is. I don't know how this has happened. Like, Is this a thing that happens a lot in the technical challenges? Does everyone just forget what objects look like? <laughs> I mean, I think in the technical challenges, they do a lot of... Um... You know, they'll, they'll do like German fucking things that have weird names that nobody's ever heard of. Like a lot of shit that mm. the, the bakers look around and go like, I don't know what the fuck that even is. And there will always be <laughs> one guy who's like, I've made it before. And he always wins <laughs> every time. <laughs> oh so my this God. is a weird one in that uh, they're actually everybody did seem to know what it was, which is unusual for technical challenges. I think it's kind of a a rare instance of something that seems common and that just like a couple of people were just just forgot i know and i felt really bad because i thought maybe if i was under that quantity of pressure i too would forget but i don't know it's like would i ever forget what green chili looked like or something granted i would never have to make green chili from scratch but do you know what i mean That'd like would i forget a common food stuff in my life and yeah. not know what it looked like i don't know maybe for these people it's not as common who knows you know what i mean Maybe not. I mean, it shouldn't be. Jaffa cakes aren't that great. <laughs> Shots fired again. I Jaffa still love you, cakes. Neil. I still love you. <laughs> and I guess I love anybody else out there who's like a diehard Jaffa Cakes supporter. If you still love Jaffa Cakes, that's okay. If you're a member of the Jaffa Cake fan club, then you're still good with us. Yeah. I mean, I guess you would like them because they are chocolate and orange. I, you know what? I yeah. don't like chocolate and orange. No wonder I don't like Jaffa Cakes. Well, there you go. That's what I was talking about before. <laughs> That was the entire thesis of my previous (laughs) presentation. (laughs) So glad I attended that TED Talk. (laughs) So in their sort of fumbling to make a Jaffa cake, Jane has one wonky upside down Jaffa cake. (laughs) I think all of Andrew's end up upside down. They do, yes. He he commits. He commits to it. Time's up and the bakers had to put their Jaffa cakes behind a picture of themselves on a special presentation table. And this is judge blind. So the contestants know whose is whose, but the judges can't see whose picture is in front of the cakes. That's right. So highlights and lowlights. 
Louise's, the hairdressers, her chocolate is dull, and Paul Hollywood says that they are all uniformly bad. Yeah, which is that's... like the fucking meanest dad joke ever. Get a life, <laughs> posh spice guy Fieri. <laughs> he's a he's a little meaner in this one than he is than he is nice. I've seen episodes where like you really like him because like he's okay. when he likes your shit, he'll he really he's super happy about it. And there weren't any like really good ones in this episode where he was where he like sometimes you know the the, the hollywood handshake you know sometimes he shakes oh. your hand if you really like what you've produced and um and man when he likes something he's super sweet about it but sometimes he can just throw out these these scathing remarks they all sounded like he delivered them because he knew part of his contract is to be the simon cowell yeah, and I feel like he's meaner in the earlier part of the show when he hasn't gotten to know everyone yet. Like, he mm, he warms okay. up to people, so, like, you can tell, like, later on as the show goes on, he gets less mean because he likes everybody left. Oh, yeah. wow. See, now I'm thinking about him and I'm going, maybe he's afraid to love because he knows that some of them are going to go home, so he just doesn't want to, like, you know, open up emotionally. Hmm. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jane is called out for her single wonky cake. Andrew <laughs> is called out for his upside down Jaffa cakes. Paul Hollywood gives a shit that some of Val's stuck to the tin. Yeah. All right. So I guess his job is to be the negative Nancy. I get it. I get it. I found it actually really weird that Andrew got last for the, the upside down cakes. Because usually like when you make a mistake like that, I feel like they're still like, well, actually, you know, sometimes they'll be like, well, this tastes good, you know. That did seem odd to me. And it was this one was just like, Andrew, they were upside down. You're last. It's like, oh, that's it. All right. I mean, were they were they baked well? Yeah. Did they taste good? Yeah. All right. Well, I guess they just had high expectations because people know what a Jaffa cake is. I suppose that did seem like a really like kind of head scratching mistake to make. Mm, yeah, I was sort of going, Andrew, what are you doing? Yeah. So Candace nails it. Good ratio of sponge to jelly to chocolate. Uh, Selassie's look pretty sexy, and Mary Berry is into it. Andrew and Lee are at the bottom of the pile. Oh, shit. Come on, and Lee and Andrew, get it together. Yeah. And then top of the pile are Tom and Selassie, and then Selassie takes it as the technical challenge winner. Mm-hmm. So... Somehow, I didn't realize that there was going to be a third challenge. I know I said that at the beginning, that there's three challenges. But whenever I watched the show, I didn't know that the first time. Uh Um, So I was like, Jesus, I can't keep up with the intensity of this. This is too much. (laughs) Because now they have to do a showstopper challenge. And it's a mirror glaze cake. Fuck, I don't even know what that is. It looks nice. It does. Mary Berry says it's those shiny cakes that you see in French patisseries. I I don't speak any French. So this cake is supposed to be a Genoese, which I, Mm. again, fairly sure that's not how they would say it, but fair enough. Um, Did you already know what this cake was uh, before they started describing what this cake was, Miles? I don't think I know what it is now. It's very light and... Yes. Uh, For the uninitiated like myself, it's a type of cake that's made without any leavening agents like baking powder. All of the mm, lift right. for the cake comes from the whipped eggs. That's, that's the right. only thing that's giving it its shape and cakiness. So Jane has never made a mirror glaze cake before, apparently. That's really worrying. And also, uh, for the Showstopper Challenge, did they not know that they were going to make that? No, I think they did. I'm pretty sure this was okay. another one where they got the they got at least a little bit of time to practice. 
Man, I hope Jane made one. Well, anyway, uh, several people are going with white chocolate Miraglaze. And if anyone out there doesn't know, chocolate of all types is temperamental as fuck. Um, cannot be trusted whenever doing anything with it. It's actually really interesting how the show kind of gives a weird advantage to older people over younger mm. people. Because if you're older and you're retired, then presumably yeah. you might have more time at, at home to like practice. Whereas they've had a lot of younger people on the show who are like, you know, if they if they continue farther in the series, they'll be like, all right, shit, well, I couldn't practice this week because it was my exam. So, okay, here we go, <gasps> you know. And, oh like, boy. other people have day jobs and shit, so, and families. I don't know. It's really interesting to me how it seems to me you're kind of giving an implicit advantage to to older folks. But maybe I'm wrong about that. Mm, I could see that. Although there's inherently going to be an advantage if you started baking at a young age or are now old that you've got, like, 20-plus years that other people don't necessarily That's have. also very true. And it's not a physical activity in the way that, you know, dancing or, I don't know, sports is where, you know, you have a peak time to be able to do it at your very best. It's not like you have an age 27 season for baking. Yeah, it doesn't really reward you for youth necessarily in any real meaningful way. So everyone is now folding flour in as gently as possible to keep the eggs from falling. And the camera zooms in on multiple tentative spoons tenderly moving through batter. Michael is making a matcha tea sponge. Mary Berry thinks that matcha smells grassy. I mean, it's a fucking leaf, Mary. Yeah. What the fuck did you think plant matter smells like? Like, I don't know what to tell you. It's for the people. Yeah, I guess so. The people eat grass. There was a real tone of like, oh, that's foreign and I don't like it. (laughs) In a lot of things that they were like, yuzu, ah, that's weird. Matcha, that's foreign, that's weird. And I'm like, you've been to London, haven't you? It's like one of (laughs) those fucking metropolitan cities in the world. How are you afraid of matcha and yuzu? Yeah, I just, I feel like really like, Mary and Paul, like if you describe them with, if, if the first adjective you thought of when describing them was posh, I wouldn't hate it. Yeah, I can see it. Well, certainly for Mary Berry. Paul, yeah. for all that he is from the North and allegedly, you know, therefore more working class than Mary Berry, I'm not seeing it. Uh, <laughs> perhaps he is, and I just don't know that much about Paul Hollywood. I know nothing of his you know, childhood or his professional work experience other than I saw one sentence of his Wikipedia page, which said that he worked in his father's bakery, I believe. So there you go. Yeah, I don't know much about him either. That's the beginning and end of my Paul Hollywood biography. (laughs) So apparently these are temperamental ass cakes and are very easy to underbake or overbake. And if they're overbaked, they get rubbery. Candace's go rubbery. Tom's didn't get mixed properly. Val didn't put in the right amount of sugar. So... All of them are starting over. Then the judges come around and ask the bakers what's up. And Lee is doing an insanely complicated cake with multiple different kinds of strawberries in it. It's got like four layers. And then Candace is pissed at her cakes. Louise is starting again at the 11th hour. Lee's chocolate ganache is seized. Benjamin is starting again at the 11th hour also. And these cakes have to be the right temperature or the glaze will go haywire. So they have to be out of the oven at a certain time as well as being done before time is up. Mm -hmm. And then Benjamina starts having a bit of a cry and I felt really bad for her. Yeah. Aunt Sue comes over to remind her to breathe and to remind Benjamina that she came here to show everyone how great she is at baking. Yeah. 
Yeah, so Benjamina wipes her eyes and she gets back to it. So I felt better after that. Everyone is pouring on their glazes now and the music is swelling and my heart is pounding slightly now. (laughs) Time is up and the cakes have to come up to the judges table individually and everyone has to describe their cake and then watch it get tasted. And I do want to say the vast majority of these cakes are so gorgeous. Highlights and lowlights. Jane's Jaffa cake cake is well reviewed. Selassie's cake is perfect apart from the mirror glaze because he went with a fruit mirror glaze, which obviously fruit juice not known for its necessarily shiny reflective properties. Mm-hmm. Benjamin's cake is shiny and beautiful and the judges love it. And she had a white chocolate uh, glaze on it and it worked out. Andrew's cake of chocolate and salted caramel cream is stunning, and Mary and Paul think it's fabulous. So Andrew has clawed it back from the brink. Yep. Saved himself. Yeah, he did. Rav's Genoese is too dry. Tom didn't use enough kirsch in his berry cake, so this was our coming back to bite him in the ass of not using a sufficient amount of alcohol this time around, which I felt so bad. He made such a big deal about how he had learned his lesson from using too much booze before, and so he was cutting down his recipe. I don't know what happens to Tom in future episodes. I don't know that I'll continue watching, but I hope Tom's life is okay. <laughs> so Mary Berry thinks the matcha is too grassy in Michael's cake. Fine. <laughs> Lee's cake is way dry. Louise's cake is pretty much missing the mirror glaze entirely. Yeah. But the raspberry white chocolate tastes real good. So there's that. And then uh, Paul says that Candace's plain Genoese is awful. So thanks, Paul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, has, now, she has a bit of a cry, too, it said. Yeah. Now the judge's deliberation. And I do not like this part at all because I'm like, oh, no. Now we have to get to the part that makes it a competition. Mm-hmm. So Lee, Val, and Candace are all in danger, and everybody reports back to the baking tent, and Mel announces that the star baker is Jane, and that made me so happy. And she tears up, and I want to hug her again. She just seems like such a lovely soul. And then Sue is the one who has to announce that the person going home is Lee. I mean, boo. I get it, but I still was like, aw, Lee. Lee was just doing his best, which is what everybody was doing. Yeah, he did kind of give them just like a really plain chocolate cake. That's it with some strawberries. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I was I had some moments with Lee of going like, wait, how did he get in here? Like, I don't know what his qualifications were, but, you know, he's trying and baking's hard. Yeah. But it ends with Mel and Sue giving him a big hug and then everyone hugs and people are nice to each other and it's very warm and soft. Yeah. As most of them end, you know, they kind of, yeah. they're usually all, you know, the, whoever, whoever leaves gets the uh, proverbial Mel Sue sandwich, as they call it. And, uh, and everybody's really happy for the person who won and really sad for the person who's leaving. So it's very communal in that way. Oh, that's nice. All right, Bob, how'd you feel about this? Is this a show that you would continue watching? Um, I think I might watch it a bit more, but I have so much TV already in my life Mm -hmm. that adding more stuff to my list is like unthinkable to me, really. So from a practical sense, you might not actually do it. But from an entertainment sense, it was definitely, you know, it's something you would watch if you had the time. Yeah, and I did enjoy it. And I think if it was on... Anywhere I happen to be, I would really enjoy watching it. Mm. And I totally understand why people love it. Yeah. 
Fair enough. Well, why don't we get into the sights, sounds, and feels of British baking? Yeah! <laughs> For this episode of the Great British Baking Show, Bob, what did your elf eyes see? Oh, my elf eyes saw those fucking mirror glaze cakes. Oh, man, I had that written down, too. They're so gorgeous, and I wanted to lick the TV. I Andrews, <laughs> in particular, had me going, give it to me now. I just <laughs> wanted it. Anything, I like, I am one step away, as I think most people are, from just going, shiny, put in mouth. <laughs> and they're so shiny that I just want to go, I'll oh, put it in mouth. Mouth wants shiny. Right. So, oh, God. Miles. Yep. What did your elf eyes see? Well, uh, the mirror glazes were one of the two things I had written down for this. The other one was um, just Andrew in general. Yeah. Uh, he's just a, he's, he's an aerospace engineer. Yes. The dude looks 12. You know, you're not wrong. He does look very young. He's got to be at least in his mid-20s, one would think, to be an aerospace engineer. He, which means he looks like, at the very least, I'm going to say like fully 10 years younger than he actually is. Is he a vampire and why? <laughs> uh, okay, so theories about this. One, potentially, yes, he is a vampire. Because if I was a vampire, I would want to live somewhere like Northern Ireland or... Uh -huh. Or the UK because of the lack of sunshine. Sure. Two, Miles, I don't know if you've seen people from places where they don't get a lot of sun, unlike where you and I live, but boy, <laughs> does their skin look real good. <laughs> it turns out not having sun exposure does wonders. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, we're just, you and I are just used to everybody in our lives being tough and leathery. It's how you survive in the desert, man. <laughs> All right, Bob, what did your Vulcaneers hear? My Vulcaneers heard uh, Paul Hollywood telling Lee that even though he was going home, he's still one of the 12 best amateur bakers in the country. So, all right, you're off my shit list for now, Hollywood. Yeah, it was a nice way to send him off. Yeah, I was kind of like, okay, you've you've redeemed yourself a bit for me. This is right. definitely, Paul Hollywood is on trial as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Miles, what did your Vulcaneers hear? My Vulcaneers heard probably some things they weren't meant to hear, or at least weren't mm -hmm. meant to be taken the way I took them. I couldn't help notice in the first challenge there was a lot of talk about, you know, the penetration of your drizzle. Yeah. <laughs> you know, your drizzle penetration. A lot of that. Um, yeah, I did get a certain amount of that as well. I was going... Kate's showstopper was called One Swallow Does Not Make a Summer. Mmm, mmm. Uh, but sure, I mean, it had swallows the birds on it, and she talked about how into them she was, so fine. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, uh, Val, at one point during the questioning of her showstopper, clarified that, that part of her showstopper was buttercream cum cream cheese. <laughs> Which, I mean, I guess I wouldn't notice. Oh my god, I mean, well... Let's not try that theory. I, I don't want to find out whether I would or wouldn't. <laughs> Bob. 
What did your human heart feel? It was honestly the overwhelming desire to make a drizzle cake. <laughs> I just needed to make one for some reason. I haven't made one yet, but I have a deep need now to make a lemon drizzle cake, despite the fact that I make lemon desserts every now and then. And then I'm like, oh, that's delicious. And then I'm like, oh, but it still tastes of lemon and I still have a lot more of it left to eat. But something in me, I don't know, man, I really need to make a lemon drizzle cake. All right. Well, I look forward to tasting it when you bring me some. <laughs> yeah, that four hour drive. I'll be right over. <laughs> Miles, what did your human heart feel? So uh, knowing where this goes, this is actually the last season of The Great British Bake Off uh, with. Oh, what? No, no, no. Not the last season, period. But oh. it's the last one that aired on BBC. Oh. Um, and as such, uh, the only the only member of the four hosts who made the move to the new network, which I believe is Channel Four, um, mm. was Paul, uh, Mary, really? Mel, and Sue. This is all their last seasons, oh, their final wow. seasons. And while the people that they were replaced by are are fine, like I like them a lot, especially the two new Mel and Sue people, the new hosts. Because uh, uh, Sandy Toxfig is one of them, and I yes, love her. She's fantastic, and Noel Fielding is the other one. And so, oh my god, Noel yeah. Fielding and Sandy Toxfig. Yeah, that's it's like pretty a great. crazy combination. I'm not saying it's bad. It's actually really, really pretty great. But I do always when I watch those ones, I miss Mel and Sue, and I miss Mary, and and mm. uh, you know, I just had a lot of feelings of joy and happiness that they were back in my life because I've been watching all the newer ones recently, so. Aw, that's really lovely. Yeah. Well, those were the sights, sounds, and feels of British baking. Bob, did you have anything else you wanted to go through or should I get to my stuff? So one thing I did want to touch on was shippy feelings because Cat the Pope did say, you know, I have shippy feelings about this and I want... To see if you kind of have these feelings. I am remembering a text of many, many months ago or okay. well, weeks ago. So okay. I may not be remembering it correctly. If I'm remembering incorrectly, I do. I do apologize. Um, shippy feelings. I think I felt a frisson, a spark, a certain je ne sais quoi, a certain hamon et fromage <laughs> between Selassie and Candace. Okay. But that's the closest I got. I don't know if that was the shippy feelings I was meant to get, but... I think it might have been. I'm almost positive that no matter what shippy feelings Cat the Pope originally envisioned, they're probably... No matter what, they're probably about Selassie in some way. Because oh, I've never yeah. heard anybody talk about this season of Great British Bake Off without talking about somebody that Selassie is fucking. When, oh my! Well, I mean, I, I exaggerate for comedic effect, okay. but still, when uh, when Sharon and I first watched the season, we became convinced over the course of the season that it was Selassie and Benjamina who uh, mm. who were committed to one another just because of how they were uh, acting toward each other. But I can also Aww. totally see a case for Candace and others. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I, there's got to be fanfic of that out there. I'm sure there is. So I had a, a one little kind of special thing that I wanted to ask you, Bob. Oh, yes, please. Um, so if you had to book the main event of WrestleMania. Okay. But your only option was to choose two people from among this class of bakers to fight each other at WrestleMania. Which two would you choose? Oh, my God. Um, my instant thought was Val and then went, no, not Val. Val wouldn't make it. I had Val, too. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, okay. Selassie, because I think he would wrestle like Orange Cassidy. Oh my God, that is exactly the same thing that I have here. <laughs> Miles, we're turning into one person. That's fucking insane. I have Selassie and Val, partially because Selassie would absolutely wrestle like Orange Cassidy. Uh, because how did I have, this happen so quickly? I don't know. I don't know, but it's delightful. I have Val because like Val, I imagine, is like kind of the... You know, the exuberant veteran who's been doing this for a long time and is just like fucking, yeah, it's foul, you know? And Oh, wow. That's so true. And people have kind of, you know, loved her for a long time. But then Selassie comes around and he's he's part of the Utes and uh, he's doing his weird Orange Cassidy thing and like, you know, doesn't have any respect for the wrestles, but people love him anyway. <laughs> And I can just see, like, the crowd slowly maybe starting to turn against Val in favor of Selassie or maybe vice versa. I just think it would be a great dynamic. Oh, wow. That would be really cool. Um, I also kind of like Candace Mary Berry. Because oh. Candace is like, she's got that tough as nails, like, younger mm. um you know, go-getter energy. And then I could see Mary Berry as, like, this wiry, tiny heel. Yeah, that that makes sense to me. Oh, man. And then the audience fucking loves her because she's just, like, comes out there and she weighs, like, 90 pounds or something and then just kicks the shit out of everybody. <laughs> I feel like Candace wins that match. Paul Hollywood is, like, the heel that can't stop looking at himself in the mirror. He's a real Tyler Breeze. Yeah, I'd have him on the undercard just getting squashed by Sue. Um, oh, yeah! So, uh, last thing I wanted to, to do here, Bob, before we go, is I, I just couldn't help myself but put together a, just a little cheap pop quiz. Yeah! <laughs> now I have to watch the next episode. No, 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 it's not about the next episode. It's about the show at large. And I was just going to answer answer these for you here, oh, okay, here in this cool. episode uh question number one you may have noticed that signature challenges and showstoppers have names some more creative than others which of the following is a real name from a future challenge this season so this is the name of a sh of a showstopper or a signature is it a hipster picnic oh boy b i promise i will do my best c and they all went into the ark to get out of the rain D, Philharmonic Fondance, or E, what? all of the above. Okay, um, I can't choose, so I'm going to say all of the above. That is correct. <laughs> yeah! Oh, man, I get that these points are not redeemable for anything. Other they are than not, cake. but, you know, you get props. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you it. get cake someday at an unspecified yes. date. Question number two. Each of the weeks in any given season of The Great British Bake Off are themed. Which themed week is always present in the show and for a while had the reputation that the person who got Star Baker that week always made it to the finals until they didn't? Mm. Is it A, Bread Week? B, Biscuit Week? C, Pastry Week? D, Patisserie Week? Or E, Chocolate Week? I'm choosing patisserie week because it's a French word and it's the outlier. And also, if I hear a baking term that's in French, my first thought is, oh, boy, I bet that's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> I 
It's actually Bread Week. For a long time, the winner of Bread Week oh. would always go on to the final. You know, that makes sense. Were, did they have to do yeast breads? I think so sometimes. Yeah. Okay. They did all kinds of different things. Bread is a weird mix of factors and very few ingredients. And so it, it's not like you can make it up if it goes wrong. It's like, oh, what you need is another four hours, not <laughs> a different ingredient. Right. All right. And question three. What is the name of the Great British Bake Off spinoff that first aired in 2014? It's an A, Great British Bake Off, pound for pound. Oh, yeah. Miles, B, Great Miles. British Bake Off, The Flavor Frontier. Ugh, Miles. C, Great British Bake Off, Paul Hollywood Squares. Ah, uh, Miles. D, Great British Bake Off, An Extra Slice. Ugh. Or E, Great British Bake Off, Higher Heat. Oh, God. I think I feel like you made up all of these because you like goofy puns. <laughs> I don't think any of these are real. I think all of these are things that Miles made up. One of them um, is real, I promise you. The other ones are all things I made up because I like puns. I'm going to say an extra slice. That is correct. What? Okay. Yeah, you got it. I wasn't nice job, punny Bob. enough. That was my one thought. It's like, it's not, yeah. <laughs> it's not quite as good as a Miles pun. Oh. Well, you know what? If what led you to water was your appreciation for my punmanship, then I'll take that. <laughs> punmanship. Ugh. All right, Bob. Well, I think we got to go. I think that's all we got. Anything else you want to say about this episode before we uh, we get out of here? Yes. Thank you so much for all of your reviews. I yeah. would really appreciate them. Thank you so much for participating in it. And we will be having another review drive in the near future. So stay tuned to the next wrestling fan for that, because this will not be the last time that we do a fan command performance of reviewing a thing in the style of the next wrestling fan. Yeah. And yours could be chosen next, dear listener. Keep an ear out for uh, those review drives and you too could uh, have us cover uh, something from pop culture as if it were a wrestling show. Or you could also have us cover a wrestling thing and we can teach Bob more about that. So whatever, whatever your hearts desire, keep an ear out and yeah. uh, keep an eye out as well for the next proper episode of the next wrestling fan. The next wrestling fan domestic, I guess you would call it in this case. <laughs> and uh, that'll be available soon. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. The Next Wrestling Fan is produced by Miles Schneiderman with logo design by Claire Mulcairn. Special thanks to Rafael Medina for our theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at www.incompetech.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook as the NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us. You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness. 
Visit our website at nxtwrestlingfan.com for show notes, episode transcripts, and more. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. Bob, what does your human heart feel? Oh, I do want to... This is a sidebar, which I don't know whether we should leave in or not. But I happen to know that on Amazon, and I don't know how I found this, some weird (laughs) website that was like, hey, you'll never believe what exists, was a cookbook that is how to cook with sperm. And I was like, that's just so upsetting. So upsetting. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's coming out. Yeah. <laughs> That's so gross. <laughs> Fuck you, Jeff Bezos. Look what you've allowed into the world. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> uh. Okay. <laughs> so, Bob, what did your human heart feel? Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, do you want to take that again? <laughs> Maybe in a minute. <laughs> Give me a second. <laughs> oh god. Ugh, we're professionals. <laughs> I'm actually crying. <laughs> oh my god.